I'm joined on the line from Canada by Tai Busada of EdgePoint, who took over the co-management of the Global Equity Fund in September of 2012. Tai, many thanks for taking the time to join us today. Chris, thank you very much for having me. Tai, for clients who are not aware of EdgePoint and your investment style, perhaps we could start by asking you briefly to discuss how you manage money and indeed the key changes that you've brought to the portfolio over the past six months. Okay, Chris. As it relates to our investment approach, it can be really boiled down to two particular areas, how we approach growth and how we approach risk. And for each business that uh, we're considering investing in, what we're looking for on the growth component is is two things. First of all, we want to be able to identify a business that's going to be bigger in the future than it is today, irrespective of what happens in the economy within a band of reason, of course, number one. And number two, not pay for that growth. So we want to see a business that's going to be bigger and and buy it at a discount to to what it's going to be worth in the future. On the risk side, uh, we define risk differently than the majority of the market. We believe the majority of the market defines risk as volatility, and uh, our definition of risk is very different. In fact, it, uh, we define risk as the opportunity for permanent loss of capital. So when you approach investing uh, with that definition of risk, you're looking for risk to revenue growth and risk to margin contraction or risk to management succession. And you're not looking at, at risk as uh, volatility. In fact, over the last six months, that's a good segue into what's happened in the portfolio. We've seen some volatility in the market to the upside. The markets have been very strong. And our portfolio is, has done well. The names inside the portfolio have done well in absolute and relative terms. And that volatility has allowed us to uh, take profits in five names. And as we've taken profits in those five names and sold them out of the portfolio, we, we've taken those proceeds and put them into five new names. Uh, and that's all been caused by or the opportunity has been created by the volatility in the marketplace. So, Ty, you were talking about the upward volatility of markets and, and, and certainly global equities years to date have, have performed strongly. Does the rotation in the portfolio suggest that or indicate that you're going to these new names to ensure the portfolio still has the potential for growing going forward? Absolutely. That's absolutely the case. So uh, we look at the portfolio every single day and we say, how can we upgrade the quality of the portfolio on behalf of stakeholders today? And it's a, it's a, it's a constant process. There is no finish line. So we're always trying to upgrade that quality. And when we look at the portfolio today, we have to be ultimately happy with the 30 or so positions that we have and believe that they're the best positions with the best weights possible for stakeholders going forward. That's great. And what I wanted to do was go on to talk about um, individual shares in the portfolio, if we can, because I think it brings to life the investment process. Let's start with a recent acquisition of the US company Teneco. What, what attracted you to, to that company? We'd studied Teneco for a number of years prior to uh, investing in it last fall. And what we found in Teneco was a business that uh, really did two things. Uh, but one thing in particular contributed about three quarters of their profit. So we'll just focus on that for a second. That particular business essentially cleaned uh, gases that engines produced uh, before those gases hit the atmosphere. So if you think about your vehicle, your vehicle's engine produces a lot of bad gas, and that gas has to be cleaned. And Teneco made things like particulate filters that would clean those gases. Now, uh, last fall was an, an interesting time because uh, the world was very concerned at the time about future growth as it related to Europe and as it related to China. And when they got concerned about that, they got concerned about how many vehicles were going to be sold in the world because of what was going on. And 
we looked at that and we said, uh, well, Tenneco's base business, which was selling those uh, particulate filters, for example, into light vehicles, may suffer in the short term. But what we'd studied over a number of years was that Tenneco had been investing a lot of money in broadening their markets. And what I mean by that is is they've been investing in commercial vehicles, both on-road and off-road commercial vehicles. What they saw was a wave of legislation around the world coming for on-road commercial vehicles, which is a, a truck that you'd see on a highway, or an off-road commercial vehicle, which could range from something like a lawnmower to a very big dump truck that you'd see in a mine. And um, those on-road and off-road commercial vehicles had been very lightly regulated in the past, and Tenneco saw that that regulation was about to change as it related to emission control. And they wanted to be ahead of the curve and have the potential to win a lot of market share as that legislation came out. And they invested for years and it actually hurt their earnings, and that upset the stock market a little bit as well as it related to Tenneco. But in the fall of last year, when you compounded the fact that they'd been investing for years and not seeing any benefit, with the fact that the market was very concerned about what was going to happen in China and Europe as it related to light vehicle demand, the share price retreated a lot just at the time uh, that commercial vehicle demand started picking up due to legislation. And that gave us an opportunity to enter. And the reason that we saw the opportunity to enter was if you look at the next five years for Tenneco and you assume that even if light vehicle demand remains stable, so the world produces 80 million vehicles roughly every single year. If the world continues to produce 80 million light vehicles every single year for the next five years, so there's no growth whatsoever in that space, just the incremental demand from the commercial side could grow their overall revenue by about 60%, and that would lead to almost a doubling in earnings over the next five years. At the time when we were purchasing it back in uh, the fall of last year, uh, we were purchasing uh, this type of growth for around eight times or nine times current year's earnings, and we thought that was an attractive investment opportunity. Ty, you, you hold some large financials in the shape of AIG, JP Morgan, and I think Wells Fargo. Um, what makes you more optimistic about the prospects for global banking shares? When you look at AIG, JP Morgan, and Wells Fargo, there's not one idea there. We're not investing in them uh, because we believe there's a, an opportunity in global banking per se. And we don't invest based on macro themes such as that. In each case, we have what we believe to be a different view about the company than the market does. So just v- very briefly, if you look at Wells Fargo, for example, uh, we believe they could grow uh, even if uh, the economy is uh, slow over the next five years. They have a very good way of increasing the number of products purchased from each one of their households that they deal with on an annual basis. Their average today is around six and their best clients purchase 10 and every year the average increases and the number of products purchased by their best clients increase as well. So if if you look at what's been done at Wells Fargo over the last five years, they've actually experienced growth and we believe that they're going to continue to grow going forward. Ty, I think you also hold Microsoft, which has clearly been in the news recently given its uh, deal by Nokia. Do you think this is a positive move in your opinion? We have a mixed review of the Microsoft acquisition of Nokia. On the negative side, I guess it, it brings a number of new employees into the company, and it also takes Microsoft deeper into the hardware business, where traditionally they've been a software company. On the positive side, they get better management with uh, Stephen Elop, and in addition to that, it eliminates some barriers to efficient technology development. So it is kind of mixed. From a financial perspective, the acquisition was about 2.5% of Microsoft's market value at the time of the acquisition. And and that's less than the value of, micro, uh, of Microsoft's holding in Facebook, that, or less than the value that Microsoft's holding in Facebook is appreciated by in the last three months, in fact. 
So, so really, net net, you feel positive about the the, the Nokia deal. Net net, we do feel positive about the Nokia deal. Yes. Good. Okay. And going forward, time more generally, do you feel positive about markets? We do feel positive about markets when it comes to the relative opportunities of global equities. I guess if you look at cash, bonds, and equities, we believe a collection of of good global businesses that could grow even in a slow growth world, where you're not being asked to pay for that growth, is probably your your best alternative. Ty, that's very interesting. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Thanks for having me, Chris. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.